0: Anthony Skinner, Ian Cron, I am looking at you across a seven foot teak table, our new podcast desk here at uh, Typology Studios in 12 South, 12 South of Nashville, Tennessee neighborhood, and uh, above the garage, above, above my garage. The
1: garage, we were just at a party last night, and somebody was telling me all the really good podcasts are done in the garage. Oh, from <laughs> your lips to my ear, yes. So now we're in the club. We are in the club. Yeah. And how much did this thing weigh? Getting up the staircase? Again? Oh my gosh! This it's like eighty-four inches by forty inches, and it is heavy. It's like three hundred pounds. It basically took your whole family to get it up here. <laughs> yes, minus, minus <laughs> me. <you. laughs> Hey, where was he when we needed him? <laughs> Conveniently missing. Just like their childhoods. <laughs> so speaking of podcasts, tell me what you're listening to these days. Oh, I'm a podcast junkie. Yeah, I love them. I lis- you know, I listen to my podcast in the shower. Oh, do you really? Yeah, I have my yeah. iPad
0: and I just lean it on the thing. It's not very technically uh, sophisticated, but I yeah. listen to... So uh, recently, I uh, definitely I listen to Dax Shepard. Oh yeah,
1: Dax is great armchair expert it's yeah. called yeah right
0: mm-hmm. um i i definitely i listen to mark maron wwtf mm-hmm. i don't listen to joe rogan
1: i watch clips of joe
0: and he's got the biggest podcast in america yeah. in the world Yeah. he just sold his podcast to spotify for 200 million yeah. why haven't Crazy. you gotten me a 200 million dollar deal <laughs> we're headed there dang
1: <laughs> yeah same i like mark Marin, wtf Um, Occasionally, I'll catch some Joe Rogan. I like the Portal with Eric Weinstein.
0: How about Restoring the Soul with Michael Cusick? I listen to that podcast.
1: Oh, you know I love me some Michael Cusick. um, Questlove Supreme. I have Questlove. Great. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you.
0: I'll tell you. Podcast I love Uh is uh, the the show Smartless. Smartless. Have you ever heard Smartless? No. Oh, it is awesome. It's with uh, Jason Bateman. Sean Hayes and Will Arnett. Oh, wow. And the three of them, it's really, really, it's funny. It's charming. Yeah. It's, you know, everything you would expect from those three guys. What's the name of that one again? Smartless. Smartless.
1: Okay. I'm going to check that out.
0: I want to tell you about another great podcast. Yeah. Today's interview with Bill Haslam, former governor of Tennessee and author of the new book, Faithful Presence The Promise and the Peril of Faith in the Public Square. I read this book in an early galley of it, and it it is terrific. Oh, that's good. And this conversation with him
1: was really great. Oh, really good. Yeah, he was really self-disclosing. Yes. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to really take a lot away from this and especially threes as he is a three oh yeah
0: yeah through and through let me just read his bio because it is yeah. the it's the best way for me to kind of explain who bill is bill is the former two-term mayor of knoxville tennessee and former two-term governor of tennessee re-elected in 2014 with the largest victory margin of any gubernatorial election in tennessee history wow did you know I that, know that. No. i didn't know it either wow He's a friend, and I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, during his tenure, Tennessee became the fastest improving state in the country in K 12 education, and the first wow. state to provide free community college or technical school for all its citizens. Wow. I could go on and on. In addition, he added 475 thousand new jobs in the state. Hmm. Now he is a visiting professor of political science at Vanderbilt. He and his wife Chrissy, who is a prize, I might add, have three children and nine grandchildren. And this conversation uh, is not only discussing this remarkable new book, but really his remarkable life Mm -hmm. and his journey as a three on the Enneagram. Uh, He's so self-aware and thoughtful, Mm -hmm. really thoughtful. So shall we get to it? Let's get to it. All right. With no further ado, this is my friend, Bill Haslam. Bill Haslam, Enneagram 3, former uh, mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee, two-term, former two-term governor of the state of Tennessee. Welcome to Typology.
2: And longtime friend of Ian. You left out that part. I did. I, on my resume, that's the top line I put. <laughs> Way above governor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is really a great honor to have you and Chrissy. It's Christy fun in our to be <laughs> it, it's, it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful. That's been one of the highlights of moving to Tennessee is... I'm, I'm assuming that's why you moved to Tennessee. It is. Okay, good. Yeah, when I knew that you were here, I just up and moved, <laughs> up and moved. We keep moving uh, closer and closer, so pretty soon we'll probably just share a home. <laughs> if if Ann and Chrissy are okay with that. <laughs> Listen, we're going to get to your Enneagram journey in a minute, but where I want to start is with your, your new book, Faithful Presence, The Promise and Perils of Faith in the Public Square. Most of all... Because I think it's a super important book. Like, you know, I I read a ton of books and uh, I'm, you know, with a fairly critical eye. And periodically I come across books and I go, well, that's not just a good book. That's an important book. Like that book has to be read. So let's just start with the basic interviewer question, which you've heard a million times now (laughs) since the book came out two weeks ago, which is just give us the premise of the book. And most importantly, what compelled you to write it?
2: Let me start with what compelled me. You know, I spent a lot of time uh, in office dealing with issues that people feel strongly about. And I saw some people who expressed that in great ways and some people who didn't. And um, I sometimes saw, uh, I compare it to, you know, when you go to a a kid's peewee baseball game and parents are screaming at the top of their lungs about a six-year-old game where they don't even keep score. And you'd see people acting that same way in politics. Uh, mm. And one of the things that concerned me is that the people of faith, uh, in my case, Christians, um, acted the same thing as people who weren't people of faith. They acted the exact same way. And um, I, I, it hurt to see that happen and also saw how counterproductive it is. Mm. So that that's why I wrote it. The premise of the book is this, is... Uh, no surprise. We're as a nation, we're at each other's throats. We're pretty evenly divided. People don't think that. They think everybody. Everybody thinks like I do. But mm. we're we're kind of a fifty fifty country, you know, with a little bit back and forth. uh And people are are mad about it, and they've gone beyond mad to thinking you've got bad motives. Not only are you wrong, but you're you're wrong for 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 really bad reasons. And um that's where I felt like you know. B- Christians, believers, people of faith—however you want to term it—we've, like I said, we're just like everyone else. And I think in the the, the the to me the 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 hard part of that is why I think that's happening. And I think that's because believers are reacting out of fear—the last thing that we should react out of. Mm. You know, if you t- if you look at the most some of the most common admonitions in Scripture, it's "do not fear," and. I think a lot of Christians look at a world that's, or the culture is changing rapidly, and they think, uh, "Oh man, it, it's it's slipping away from us. Uh, there's so much at stake here. Let's set aside all those things about how Jesus taught us to act because mm-hmm. the stakes are too high. Mm-hmm. And if we unilaterally disarm, our side's going to get
0: wiped out." Mm. Wow. You know, uh, one of the things I've thought about is that you know 50 years ago like my mom and dad were on opposite ends of the political right. spectrum right you know my dad was a bill buckley conservative you know uh, national review guy and you know my mom was not <laughs> and, you know and, <laughs> and they had you and they had me right which is actually how i turned out right which <laughs> exactly. is sort of down you know a fastball down the middle right you know or just someone who was you know i, I guess i would sort of characterize myself as someone who recognizes that uh neither party has the answers to all of life's problems. In reality, too, I think to myself, well, you know, actually, politics only affects about 10% of my daily life. But it's, it's not, you know, basically, what consumes me? My children, my right. work, my marriage, uh, my friendships. This is where I spend the... Right. You know, it's, it's not, not right. like, you know, I don't have the TV running all you the time. It. But So I think there's an overemphasis on the role of politics. But I, I also think that... 50 years ago, people would have said, I have an opinion about politics, but I'm not my politics. Like it was, like, I think people have become so over-identified. Like very, they're, very well said. Right. So their whole identity is their party or their position. And so when someone disagrees with it, it feels like an entire negation of their person, not just an opinion. Now it's their person. And of their deepest values and concerns. Right. Yeah. Because
2: everything's wrapped up in that.
0: Right, and that means the conversation cannot happen. Right, you know.
2: But but back to what you said earlier, I think one of the issues that we have is, is this. You know, um, one of the hallmarks I think of being a person of faith is starting with this idea that we're broken people, like mm-hmm. we're imperfect or sinful. Use whatever you want to mm-hmm. use, word you want to use, but I'll I'll stick with broken right now, which means you know, in the in the thirty minutes since I first saw you, I've probably you know. Done. Made ten mistakes, and I've made two thousand today. Um, but
0: but but the, the I only point counted is, four. That's right.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you, you know, the point is, we we know we're broken, imperfect people. Uh, you know, as the Book of Common Prayer says, "All we like sheep have gone astray." We, right. That's kind of fundamental to what we believe. And yet, we enter the public square thinking, "I've got all this right, and I have the right answers." And um, instead of the sense of I, I'm, I'm firm in my, convic- in my convictions. I know what I really believe, but I also know that I, I don't get everything exactly right. And so I should be coming into this argument with the hope of getting to the right answer, not just having you agree to my answer. And that's where we are today.
0: Yeah. The, where I always hope that people can get to, I love the word ironic, right? Just meaning a reconciling spirit. You know, how do we bring that voice of reason right. and care? Right, uh, with the desire to live in you know reconciling right. relationships with other people, and that that's the word I kept coming away with as I read the book. Like, yeah. like Bill has a real ironic spirit.
2: Well, you know, it's it's interesting if you think about the things that you know Christians are known for in the public square. There's certain issues, um, but if you know, and I we talked about you and I've talked about this before. You know, James says you know what's wisdom from above? It's it's pure peaceable, gentle, full of mercy and good fruit, open to reason, impartial and sincere. Mm. And if i said, you know, i said it, are are christians in the public square knowing, known for being open to reason? Most people would say, no, not even close.
0: But yet that's that's a that's instruction for us. Right. Yeah. And it's a big blind spot if we're not practicing it, yeah. right? What gives you hope about The public sphere. You know, uh, it's
2: it's this. We can all get really, really frustrated because we see people who we see politicians who are acting like politicians. You know, people, and maybe even more, we see people who, well, they're they're not the the, they're more like playing a senator on TV than they are actually trying to be a senator and solve problems. I think that's what discourages. But what encourages me is how many people, like you said, in real life, really are focused on the right things. And back to what you said, you know, what happens in Washington or what happens in your state capital is really important, but it's just a piece of their life. Right. And they're they're out trying to say, how do I make my community better? Mm-hmm. And it is I think as frustrated as people are about the national scene, you can look around at communities and towns around the country and say there's a lot of people who are living with an other-centeredness about them
0: that's encouraging. You know, it's funny you should say that. I remember um, a counselor, a friend of mine, um, as you know, I've been in therapy forever, <laughs> sometimes with two therapists <laughs> at a the time, fooling, just just telling a joke. Um, you know, I uh, remember a guy saying, I was complaining and bitching about something that, you know, that happened during the day. He says, have you counted the number of things that went right today? Yeah. And I went, mm, what do you mean? He says, well, you got out of bed. Yeah. You're breathing. Your wife kissed you this morning. Yeah. Your dog greeted you with a wagon tail. Yeah. Your house still has a roof. You know, and he just, he said, like, your blood cells decided to do this today. Right. It, and, it, it, the, and the millions of things that, you know, I think to myself, of course, on the, on, on, in media, which is a disaster right now. Yeah the the clickbait is, you know, uh, all dominating. And so you, you get this sense that there's nothing going right. And you think, do you have any idea of how many heroes are walking around yeah, the world it, doing good? It's, it's I mean, I was incredibly
2: encouraged as governor when I got there. People who are, you think, oh, well, these bureaucrats who work for the state, but how many great people there were who mm-hmm. really did just want to serve, whether it be they were in the mental health department or corrections or education, were they just... Wanted to make things better for their piece of the world. Mm. And I'm thinking w- when you were talking about that, how many things, how many good things have happened to you? Uh, you and I know each other because mutual friends, Rick and Joe Woolworth, and they end every day uh, before they go. To, last thing they do before they go to sleep is they tell each other three things they're grateful for from that day, mm-hmm. which is a pretty healthy practice.
0: You know, um, I, I try to do that every single night. Uh, I usually fall asleep. Just kind of going through oh, an inventory of all yeah, yeah, the things yeah. I uh, yeah. I'm grateful for, and also think about well, what could I have done better that I can change tomorrow? Are yeah. there any amends I need to make? Was I short with anybody? Did That's I, a great one. You know, just and without being self condemning yeah. or anything else, just like I'm just going to do a little bit of an inventory yeah. and figure out well, what do I got to do tomorrow to make something better right. that didn't go well. You know. All right, so um, a question I have for you is and this has happened to me now with a couple of books every time you write a book you, you a couple of weeks later a couple of months couple of years even go by and you think man i wish i'd said that mm-hmm. or i wish i hadn't said that or i hadn't said it that way or whatever have you begun to have any thoughts or feelings like you know i
2: because I'm, I don't know that I'll write another book. When I did this one, <clears throat> I said I'm going to do the audio version myself. And so I went to. Yeah, you're <laughs> laughing because you you were smarter than that. But so you go to this studio and record it. And when you do it, you're reading it and you go, well, that that I didn't say that very well, or I didn't. You know, I, I got about halfway through of making that point. So my main thought would be actually think what I'm trying to say is the right thing to say. I'm not certain that I said it well enough or strong enough. So kind of like, you know, right, right him. I didn't, didn't sing it with enough gusto.
0: Mm. So what you're saying is that you have, you were not emphatic enough or perhaps mm. at admonishing enough. Yeah, or- I
2: wouldn't say admi- I, I, I don't do admonishment very well. So uh, I wouldn't say that, but I think just trying to be clear about he, here's why this is such a problem and here's what we can do different. And obviously, I, I, think, I think I've think i done, I, I mean, I'm, I think I did that in the book, but it's more of, my problem's more of of
0: one of, I wish I'd come on a little stronger at a few points. Did, I know that the January 6th yeah, capital I'm, attack happened after the book was finished, right. that you rushed to do an epilogue. A uh, prologue. Prologue, yeah. I mean, Right, right. And um, did that moment then make you think, if I'd known this was going to happen, I'd have said there this. There you go. I mean, if you think about what led us to that
2: point, where we literally have, um, you know, people trying to break into the Capitol to change the electoral process, okay? And you can argue about, did everything happen the way it should in an election? But, you know, there have been about 50 courts that had reviewed this and said, no, this is right. And you'd had... You know, the, the states that were highly contested were Republican states, Georgia, Arizona, you know, uh, and you'd had lots of people say, N- no, this is, you know, as close as we can get to getting an election right. We got this one right. And you, you had a group of people say, we're going to go try to overturn that electoral process. And you think about what that means and mm. what it says to the rest of the world. And so I, I was glad I got a chance to come back to add the prologue of like, how did we get here? And so, January sixth did definitely add a uh, a point of emphasis about it. Here's here's how bad the problem is. Well,
0: uh, well, we say our prayers. We do. We say our prayers, right?
2: But we also, but we also engage, and that's the point of the book. Is not is to is. I, I agree with your premise. Most people, hating their daily lives, they're worried about getting their kid to soccer practice right. and their job, et cetera. But my point also is all this stuff matters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who we elect, not just the decisions they make, but how they carry out government. I mean, you and I have the luxury of not relying on the state or federal government for a lot. You know, you need your driver's license, and there are certain things you need, but you don't you don't rely on a lot of, uh, of of programs. But some people do. Yeah, and so it really matters that those work well and effectively, and. All of us as taxpayers should want our government to be effective and use money wisely and where it's needed the most. So all of this stuff really does matter in terms of serving the common good.
0: Mm-hmm. It does. And, and it should be incorporated and baked into our daily calculations. But again, I, I, my great concern is that it's very difficult to have a conversation with anyone that has now so over-identified no who they are. Right. At that point, the conversation gets wacky. Yeah. Right.
2: And we all, all of us and all your listeners have friends or family members. Yes. So something like close to 20% of the country quit talking to a member of their family after the 2016 election. Right. I mean, just totally quit talking to them. And, and you got it. That that was five years ago. You, you know, the heat's only been turned up since then. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I have a question for yep. you. that someone. Actually, we went to a. Uh, you did a book reading the night at Donald mm-hmm. Miller's house. It was a wonderful, wonderful night. Don's a great guy, supporter of yours, and he, uh, you know, did a super job. And afterwards, a mutual friend of ours said to me, "Yeah, I, you know, I want to have these ironic kind of conversations, right. if I can use that word again. Uh, but what if the person's crazy?" Like, what if, you know, in other words, what if you're bumping up against, you know, I, you know a QAnon sort of mindset yeah. that you're like, I can't even, there's so many conspiracies here that I can't even get into it. I mean, how do I do
2: it? So, t- two things. One, I mean, the, the foundational truth, and it's one of the things he's talk about in this book is, and believe me, when you run for office and you're out or you're in office, you talk to a lot of people that you leave thinking, oh, oh, oh my. Like, <laughs> Uh, like, you know, I, I tell the story in the book that, uh, you know, we, we were having one of those conversations. We were walking back, and the guy who kind of was with me throughout the campaign, you know, helping assist on everything, and he's whistling a tune, and I'm trying to figure out the tune, and it was a member of the, the country song, you know, God is great, uh, uh, what it was it, uh, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy, and he's right. kind of whistling that under his breath because you're kind of like, okay, I'm not sure how to respond, but having said that. Uh, my point is, this is You do have to start with the idea That this, this person really is created in the image of God I mean, right. that's Like it or not Think the ideas are, are crazy or not So you have to start there uh, and, in, and really in there too I think the second thing is Realize like You're, you're probably with that person You're not going to pers- Talk them out of where they are So you listen uh, politely And realize that This is not one of those Persuadable moments And you move on
0: Yeah Well, I think a lot of people have had to resign themselves to default, fallback positions, you know, and and are trying to figure out how do I live in in love with this person? And it's uh, in in a time that's real challenging, really, really challenging. All right. So we had a, uh, you know, we've had a couple of good moments when you were governor. We went to the Ryman one night. Anthony, i would tell you this story. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't think so. Oh,
0: this is a good story. So, so Bill and Chris say, "Hey, why don't you come on over to the governor's mansion first, and then we'll we'll just drive over in our car, right?" So we go over there, and of course, they got one of those—you know, those black Suburbans. <laughs> <of> the, <laughs> That's right. You know, you see them around. They usually have a, they usually have a country star in them. You know, out here on 12 South yeah. or somewhere like that, yeah. right? And so we go over there, and not only do we get to go in the the car with the governor and his wife with his security detail in the car, but a car in front, and what do you call that car behind again? Chase it's car. Chase car. Behind us. all of them have like you know lights going and stuff yeah. like we didn't stop at a light bro i'm talking on broadway we didn't stop at a light on broadway like people to ran out of the street it's, it been, was, it's
2: been a rough adjustment back to I real
0: we're get to that. so so and then they pull up into like the special governor's spot outside the ryman and they look for usher what line this yeah. guy didn't see a line for eight years we get we get inside <laughs> we, They take us inside and then they put us in an elevator so we don't you know we're not walking through crowds and they take us up to the best seat I thought I had good seats I invited him to the dang show uh-huh. he had better seats than I had I'm like rip them up throw them out you know and 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 so you know and you've had one of the things I love about the book the reason I bring this up is not only to humiliate you which is sort of fun <laughs> um, but but also because you tell story after story in here I, I love the memoirish quality to hear this is not yeah. just a book this is not a book that, that you're not that you're going to read and think okay this is just about faith and politics and bo-. it's also there's a lot of heart in it about your own yeah. personality Personal journey as a, a person in the public sphere and 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 you know uh you know for example you you tell the story about the portraits tell me about the, like so what the transition from right a public person to right. being an ordinary citizen is pretty big it, well it's not just big it's, big it's fast right wow. it's like you you know
2: one second you're the governor and you can pardon people and appoint people to boards and you have a forty billion dollar state budget, and the next, literally, the next second, you're not. back <laughs> when the, when the inauguration of my successor happened, I was sitting next to a, you know, my seat on the stage was next to uh, this the Senate Majority Leader, and he turned over and goes, "I have never ever sat next to somebody who's lost so much power so quickly." Wow! <laughs> and so, uh, and I, I tell the story in the book that this one of the state reps came over to me, it came, walked up with it right up when I was over and said, uh, and said, Hey, uh, I want to get a picture with the governor. And I got ready to kind of put my arm around him, stand by him. And he handed me his phone so I could take a picture of him and the new governor. <laughs> you know? So it's really fast. Uh, but you know, actually the, the, it, you, certain that then there's certainly you do miss going to the Ryman and you know, going from home to your seat in seven and a half minutes.
0: Yes, uh I miss it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised you're still my friend. I, you know, uh, I am that shallow. I, I could go away. <laughs> uh,
2: but you know, there's a part of your life you get back to, mm-hmm. and you also met you you know during that period of time you miss being in the car by yourself, or being in the car with with just your wife, or uh, having the freedom to go for a a walk by yourself. Uh, so there's there's a while all that's really fun after eight years you've kind of had enough yeah ready to have a little life
0: back well so this brings me to the enneagram because because i am curious how an enneagram three a performer makes the transition from uh moving through the world uh recognized at least by everyone as a as a success in the sense that you have achieved high office they may not like you or what you stand for but you know you have a reached a certain pinnacle right right? um we know that enneagram threes the uh in let's say an unhealthy not very self-aware place are people who have a need to succeed and we know people like this you know we know a ton of them right uh have a need to succeed to appear successful and to avoid failure at all costs this would be a hard transition harder maybe for a three than any other type yeah actually i 'm going to go back
2: before the transition what 's really hard to think about it for a three is running for office mm-hmm. because it's so visible and so vulnerable there's not a second prize ribbon you either win or you don't mm. uh, and if you're somebody that succeeding matters a lot to, then you're you're either going to succeed or not in front of a whole lot of people mm. and you know, when I first when I first ran for mayor back in two thousand three, it it got to me. I mean, mm. in a way that I'm I'm almost embarrassed to admit. Yeah. I mean, I was. You know, uh, the Bible tells us to be anxious for nothing, but I I was anxious for about a year. Yeah, and then when I ran for governor the first time again, about the same thing. And I it it I don't think I really understood. Kind of, I mean, I, I definitely wasn't thinking in terms of threes, et cetera, at the sure. time, but in hindsight, I think it was that. I think it's somebody that um, has that need to succeed and realizes that may or may not happen here. You don't in politics, you don't know you know nobody mm-hmm. knows. and I think even bigger than the transition out of office was the the visibility and vulnerability of a running for office that mm-hmm. probably affected that negative side of of being a three more than anything else.
0: Did you realize at some point that, okay, this is revealing? If I can use this phrase, may sound a little hard, but character defect, right? Or, or personal issues, okay? That this is aggravating a piece of um, my essential makeup that needs addressing. Like, is my, have I become over-identified with a particular image, with a, a successful image or a persona? Any of yeah, that I, stuff? I, I, wish,
2: I wish I could say at the time I, I, I made those connections. Now I look back and go, yeah, that was revealing something about me um that that needed to be addressed and I can see that more in hindsight than I could at the time but at the time like I said both running for mayor the first time and then reelections are a lot easier than your first elections right. but you're in and then running for guy the first time both of those I think revealed something about me that wasn't healthy and I, I just I knew I was torn up inside and I couldn't you know it, it took me a while to figure out why it mattered so much to me
0: how did you process
2: it though I mean, did you?
0: Know, you I've, I'm ask everybody this yeah, question. So yeah, don't feel. Yeah. Have you ever been in counseling? Uh,
2: I have probably not as much as I should have. Right. Um, but uh, and it, it actually, in hindsight, it would have been great to have been in counseling in the middle of that. Right. Because it's it's listen, running for office. I don't know for maybe for somebody, maybe an eight would love it or something. I don't know. But for for most people, it's not fun. It's a very stress inducing high wire act. And like I said, part of it is that whole idea of, you know, there's no runner-up trophy. You either win or you go home, and so many people are helping you, and you don't want to let them down. And it's, like I said, it's just such a front-page type of existence. And um, now, looking back, I would say it would have been great to have somebody helping me, like, okay, why do you have such an upset stomach about this? And one of the stories I tell in the book is one of my very best friends came over about four nights before, or maybe about a week before the election, my first election as mayor. And I'm like, I said, I'm, I wish I could say I wasn't, but I had a deep stomach stomachache. I was, I was in knots. Yeah. And he, you know, said, I want to come see. He said, I can't, man, I'm too busy. No, no, I'm, I'm going to come see you. And he said, you know, it's going to be okay. And I kind of looked at him and like, have you seen a poll that I haven't seen? He goes, no, I have no idea. He said, but it's going to be okay, one way or another. This election is not, you know, going to determine, you know, who you are or, or whether or not the God of the universe still loves you and means means you well. Uh, and that was a great kind of like, oh yeah, I'm so wrapped up in this that I've kind of lost that picture of of something beyond whether this race is going to define the rest of my
0: life or not, or your or your value as a human being. Yep. You know, really, I'm a four with a hardcore three wing, right? So, I mean, I got a, I know enough about three, and I grew up in, you know, in a right. place in a time right. when, you know, in a, that, town, in a place full of threes. Oh, good Lord. Like, like Greenwich, Connecticut, ground zero, <laughs> epicenter of threeness in the universe, right? But I, I, you know, there are times even now, just to be honest, where, you know, you get into a situation like, you know, you write a book about the Enneagram, it does pretty well. And then you wake up one day and you realize, I'm Enneagram guy. Yeah and that means you know it, it's now provided me with some things i really like right you know it has right. stroked yep. my right, ego right, right, right it has you know made mm-hmm. me an income i've really enjoy it has done all this stuff and one day you wake up and you go who would have, who am i yeah like am, yeah. i i've it, and then you have to realize like i'm not enneagram guy i'm ian cron who happens to do this thing with the enneagram but I've got to separate that out or I'm going to be miserable yeah. and terrified every day. Am I going to lose that? Am I going to get it? Is it going to be okay? You know, I, I, I'm
2: very, you know, the one of the, the the temptations is being the Enneagram guy, being the governor, whatever, that comes with a sense of, okay, I'm, there, there's a sense of being a validity of being legit. Like, hey, he's the Enneagram. That's, that's a legit deal. But you realize, like, if if my uh, if my contentment is in that, that you know, eventually there's going to be a new enneagram guy, and there there is a new governor, and you know, pretty. I mean, yeah, I just saw some poll where, like, um, you know, forty percent of the people can't tell you who the last governor that would be me is already, and that's two and a half years ago. So you know, there's a reality in which all that moves fast. The other thing hard about being a three, like I said, running's hard, being in office, like I said. In, in today's world, if if you know, six if fifty five percent of the people think you're doing a good job, that's a big number in today's world, okay? Right. But that means like almost half of the people walking down the aisle of the supermarket think you're doing a bad job. Right. <laughs> or the people who, you know, wherever you right. are. And so there's this and, and everybody, by the way, has an opinion. And for a three to have half of the people have everybody have an opinion and have half the people think you're not all that, that that's That takes a little getting used to as well.
0: All right, so we had this conversation the other day, and I want to raise it again because I think it's important. I think at around the midpoint of life, or at some point, a transition has to happen in in a person's life where you've crushed it uh, well, seemingly crushed it in the outer world, right? You've been a success. You are a successful businessman. You've been a mayor. You've been a governor, etc. You are a wonderful human being, a, gr- a good man. And I mean good not in that, uh, in, not in that shallow sense of word, but good, I mean the, 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 the real quality of goodness. I mean that's something Annie and I have, have spoken about uh, oftentimes that we've come home after being with you guys is that, you know, the two of you are good people. You know, like really fine fine souls. I'm drafting
2: off of Chrissy's Wake there. Well, (laughs) you know, however
0: it goes, it it is true. So, I mean, I guess my my question is making the transition from that to turning, and I think this is important, turning the focus inward, uh, turning your attention toward matters of the soul, toward the development of your heart, um, and... Have you made that turn, and are you are you? If so, what what work are you doing in that area of your life? You
2: know, so it's been interesting. Like I said, literally, I I meant what I said. The world moves on really fast, Mm -hmm. and so there is an adjustment. I think the hard, and for me, this you know, being the two and a half years since I've gotten out of office, in some ways, has been the time of the best growth, and I realize, you know, when you get in that world and it's moving so fast, you realize how. Um, kind of how self-centered you are, you realize mm. like, oh wow, yeah, I forgot. You know, had my shoulder re- re- replaced about six weeks ago, and and I remember like, oh yeah, I remember two or three, and I thought that feels like a big deal. I remember two or three people in my world who had joints replaced while I was, you know, in the middle of that, and I don't, I think I might have asked about it once or twice. So you know, you realize just how myopic you become in that, mm. um, and so working through that, and then I think the second question is this. There's a certain when you're on the backside of something. There's a certain um, contentment that comes, and one of the questions I've had to ask myself is, would I have that same contentment if I had lost? Mm. If I, I mean, if I had been, if you know, if I had run and for mayor and lost, and none of that ever happened, or run for governor and lost, or if if you weren't the enneagram guy, whatever it is, you know, I have to ask myself, is my is my contentment been built on the fact that, yeah, at that point in time, you happen to get more votes than whoever you are running against, which is, you know, a, a pretty circumstantial situation. Hmm.
0: Boy, it's a struggle for me. I'm just gonna be honest and yeah. say, i you know, there are some days I get up and I think to myself, my self-esteem has gotten way too tethered to what I do. Yeah. I,
2: I'm. I sometimes my question would be. Mine my, my self esteem slash contentment slash um uh self worth va- vision of my self worth is tied up in the fact, oh yeah, I did something. hmm You know, I climbed that mountain. Mm-hmm. And so now it's easier for you to look and say, Why why are you struggling so much? Uh and somebody might say, Well, I hadn't I didn't get a chance to climb that mountain and uh the most recent question I'm asking myself is that, like, what if all that hadn't happened? Would I have that same sense of contentment or would I be striving, trying? I, I got to find a mountain to climb. Mm. Do you? I don't feel that way now, um, but I, I don't, again, my question's more of, if I had lost that, would I still need to have some, some trophy to hang on the wall?
0: Yeah, and I think most threes would say, like probably. i would say yeah probably probably and, and i would also say that um i think most threes in, in many ways the saddest number on the enneagram is a three who did not live up to the potential right. that they thought right. they could have right Just, if they haven't made peace with that it's pretty hellish yeah you know
2: and so i mean you know that, that to me that would be on the flip side of that would be you do meet those people who are threes and life didn't work out perfect for them it, for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all, life can, can do that way. The ball takes funny bounces and you meet them and you go, they, they got past that. Life didn't work the way that they thought it was supposed to. And yet there's still a contentment there.
0: They have to work for it, though. They, they do. And they they have worked for,
2: it. and that, that's why I say those are the people I meet, and I'm really impressed with.
0: We uh, we uh, both of us have been involved in a conference uh, down in Florida, which is for what I think they call high trajectory leaders, right? So it's a it's a it's a pretty right. good looking bunch, right? right. right? They, there's a mm-hmm. lot of credentials. In they're the younger than we are. We they're way out. younger than we are, right? <laughs> try, and, and the conference is designed to try and help them not make the same dumb mistakes <laughs> exactly. that we did, right? And and I um. Heard a guy there speak, and he had uh, been—I think he was a uh, lawyer—and had been very, very successful. Yeah. And but reached the last ten years of his life, and not in a good space, right? Feeling uh, a little bit like a—I think a little bit imposterish. didn't love what he did anymore. Hadn't for quite some time. But you know, he had a country club, and he had you know expenses and this right. thing and the next thing, and uh, he just hit that moment as a three, where he said, um, you know, I have to, I have to go on this inner journey. And I love what he said to me one time. He said, you know, he says sometimes I get his name was David. He says sometimes I get up in the morning and I just go Daviding. <laughs> And I'm like, well, what does that mean, yeah. even? I think I get what you're saying, but, right. you know, you right. unpack that for me. I'm curious when people say stuff like right. that. And basically, you know, in his spiritual journey, in his journey of life, he realized, you know, uh, I'm valued not for what I do or for what I've achieved, but for who I am. Yeah. And exploring the I am part in this phase of my life is wonderful. Huh. Not the I do, Yeah me yeah. but the I am me Where how does that resonate with you where are you on that journey
2: you know one of the again when you were saying do you, do you miss you know the troopers dropping off at the front door of the right. Ryman and, and so well, there's a trade-off that the trade-off is there's just so much more space in your life right and I don't know how to des- describe that any other way which allows you to think about things I mean I can I can get up in the morning and you know, sit in my chair overlooking. You know, we we live in Knoxville and you can see the Smoky Mountains from my from my den. And I can sit there in my den and think about things and write in my journal for much longer than I did when I lived in the governor's residence. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that's that's just open up the ability to think about things. And some of those are things like that. You just realize I just missed. I just I just missed as I was pushing about being a a full
0: agenda 3 right and now you feel like you're um maybe i would say call it reclaiming the authentic self
2: i i think that's i think that's fair and uh, or maybe even i don't know if it's reclaim or something it might be rediscovering and rediscovering yeah. i just think um or discovering maybe take the re out mm-hmm. uh you know if you're a person who has been achievement oriented all your life you can you can brush by all of that, mm. and um, I, you know I think being being out of office and having that behind me has made, I said I don't I just don't know a better word that it's opened up space to to spend some time thinking about that and doing and
0: trying to dig into that a little more than I historically have. So before I move on to this next question, I want to ask you this one: What are you reading right now, mm. or what have you seen that not has not so much as that has not just you know been satisfying on an intellectual level um, but has sort of deeply moved you maybe in some way some realization some line from it where you're like wow that that hits me at, at sort of a really deep place I, I'm
2: trying to think, I i don't know that I have something that 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 i'm I'm reading that I've read right now that comes to mind like that I'll be honest with you a lot more of that is conversations that I have with either Chrissy or my kids and I realize how much I'd gotten in the habit of of having a um, a purposeful but effect but but efficient conversation Hmm. and I, I, my son even grabbed me one time at the, in the middle of a Thanksgiving celebration of my whole extended family. And he goes, You realize you're doing it, don't you? I go, What? And he goes, Every person you talk to, it's like you have a calculated time you're going to talk to them and you're going to move on. Mm. And I wanted to go, No, I don't. And I realized, Yeah, I do. And I'm still getting over that. I mean, I still, I was in a conversation yesterday with somebody who was going through something really hard with a family member. And I realized, like, I, I was, moving that conversation toward completion more than i was toward um seeing if there was a way i could help
0: anthony are you hearing this Mm -hmm. because this is huge right Mm -hmm. this is like this is when i hear threes talking like this i go oh this is so great (laughs) because (laughs) that what you're describing is really textbook three stuff right i i actually even have written here uh in some notes i said the superpower of threes is their ability to make things happen by yeah. finding the most direct right. path to the goal right. line removing obstacles that get in the way and looking good and competent doing it right i mean that's yeah. you know a, yep. no, that, that can be leveraged for the good or it can turn sideways on you in relationships and part of the problem for threes sometimes is they get so good at that stuff, yeah, wanting to move along. They don't like to get stuck in other people's feelings too long. I think it's really fair, and then
2: you, and you realize, like every now and then, you have these—I um, don't know—a better term than holy moments. Mm-hmm. That because you don't want to get stuck, you're moving on, and you miss it.
0: Yes, yes, and then uh, that's where threes can get into a lot of trouble in in relationships,
2: or even not. I mean, sometimes threes are good enough to to know how to not get in trouble, but I'd put it to miss a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got in my car yesterday. Like I said, I was talking to some friends who had a family member who was, you know, recently discovered addiction and dealing with that. And I just realized, like, I I made what should have been a 30-minute conversation into a five-minute conversation. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got back in my car and thought,
0: where am, what am I doing? Where am I going? Right. Mm. Well, that's a great question for a three to mm. ask. And I think that is the goal of the Enneagram, right? Is you discover, in a very, and you will like this. I, one of the reasons I think three sometimes like the Enneagram is it is so efficient. It does such a great job yeah. of describing you very, very quickly. Right. You don't have to do a lot of reflection. Someone else has done the reflection and given me a report, <laughs> <Right>. you know. <laughs> and uh, you can just highlight it for me. It'd be even better. Yeah, right. And make it actionable. Right. right. And 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 yet, that is the soul work. It's the ability to step back from yourself, observe an interaction, either in reflection or yeah. in the moment, Yeah. and begin to say. Uh, without checking out of the conversation, what's going on with me right now? Can I slow down? Can I recognize that this is a uh, a challenge for me, that I need to work, you know, this is an area mm-hmm. I need to work on. How can I get more present in this conversation yeah. right now and be here for that person without looking at my watch?
2: Right. Right. And one, you know, think about it. So if you're a three and then you're in a, a position like being governor, it's like, um it's like being a three on steroids, right. because in some ways, I, there'd be times when Chrissy would come to me and say, gosh, I just met so-and-so, and they're you know they're having problems with their getting their Medicaid, and I'm like, you know, Chrissy, there's, there's 6.8 million Tennesseans. I got to deal wholesale. I can't deal retail. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, <laughs> right. if I deal right. with everybody's right. Medicaid, I, I just literally can't do it. And, and that's actually right. I mean, you can't. You sure. literally can't take every phone call. You can't do that. But there's a sense in which that also leads to a callousness Mm -hmm. that you're realizing, like, okay, well, here's the big picture on that. We're spending, you know, umpteen billion dollars on that, and we're getting this much reimbursement from the federal government, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And here's how it works. All of which is true, but you know, within that, if you've lost the fact that that's fine, but you know, Joe and Lisa's son, who you know, who's disabled, is needs to rely on this, and it's not working out you you miss that too
0: you know we uh i years ago uh when i was in greenwich i was assigned as an episcopal pre- pre- creep <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome wasn't it that'll be remembered i'm going to hear that i'm going to hear about that again so what, 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, my friend, Mr. Floyd. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but I was assigned to be Desmond Tutu's chaplain for two days. Oh, wow! Now, just before that, sounds impressive. That just basically means I follow in his wake, doing anything he asks me. From still on a resume, that's really cool. Yeah. So, but they call it in Episcopal <laughs> okay. world his being his chaplain, yeah. right? And I had to get him to a uh, a fundraiser dinner where I mean, I think every table was fifty thousand dollars, right? You know, right. And you know, it was. For some some right great thing and he was late you know we were like so we're in the we're in the the limo uh and we get there and i'm looking at my watch because i'm the one responsible for getting him there on right. time and you know i got a bishop and others who are like right. you know what's Kron doing right yeah and uh we get there and there's a line of 10 ballets, 10 ballet parking yeah. guys, and all with white shirts black pants hands really you right. know Put together, uh, and you know, hands his behind their right? back, standing right, yeah, in line. Right. As Desmond's getting out of his car, and he goes up to the first guy in the line, and he takes him by the hand, and I, and he doesn't stop holding your hand. I mean, right. Desmond Tutu, right, I'm just right. telling you, once right, he's right. got your hand, you're, you, yeah, you're there. He doesn't shake his hand and let right. it go, right? And he's got both of his hands holding this guy's hand, and he's like, "Tell me your name. Do you have children?" What are their names? How old are they? You know, you literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And then yeah. I'm thinking, okay, well, uh, he goes to bad, yeah. the next guy. Yeah, yeah. And then the next yeah. guy. We went all the way wow. down the line. And it was like another 30 minutes before we got inside. And I'm like, you know, shrugging my shoulders like, it's not, I'm not in control of what That's right. a Nobel Prize winner wants to do for the next 30 minutes, right? But what was so moving about it was, is he didn't miss a person. Yeah. You literally would watch him. He didn't miss a person en route to the thing. Right. You know? Right. I found that so amazing. And a great model.
2: I mean, uh, and I I missed a lot of people along the way and still have to work at not missing people. Back to your analogy, not missing people.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's a great thing, though, for a three to self-observe and then say, "Mm, I got to work on it. You know, I got to work on it. Lots of work. All right, everybody. Faithful presence, the promise and the peril of faith in the public square. My good friend, former governor of Tennessee, Bill Haslam, a remarkable soul. And I really, I don't, you know, I'm not blowing smoke here. (laughs) I I am a fan. I am a fan. And uh, of you and of Chrissy, of your kids, of, you know, of of your life and and all the things that you've accomplished. And I like you for who you are and not for what you've done.
2: Well, I appreciate and and uh, back at you. Um, you've you've yeah. been great friend to us and help to our family. And I, I, the last one one year, our whole family read uh, the road back to you, and we had we literally had some of the best family discussions we've ever had. So well. you, you've. you've You've helped our family way more than than we've done for you. I, I assure you.
0: Well, hey everybody, I want you to uh, again check out "Faithful Presence: The Promise and the Peril of Faith in the Public Square" by Bill Haslam. Available, obviously, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever fine books are sold. And I want you to know, also not so fine books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and I want you to follow Bill on Twitter at Bill Haslam, H A S L A M, on Instagram at Bill Haslam, and on Facebook at Team Haslam. Been a great conversation. You're it's a been fun. fine. soul. Anthony, as always, yes, you too are a fine soul.
1: Thank you, brother. Same e- to you, even
0: though you're a four. <laughs> with you I was going to say
1: I was going
2: to say hold on a minute Uh, it's
0: true it's true we'll we'll have to to live with that typology (laughs) listeners remember these words Uh, may you have love may you have joy may you have peace may you have healing may you have rest until next time